gospel acclamation. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to The Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. <clears throat> this is a very long reading. If you have the need to sit down during the reading, that's okay. Then the assembly rose as a body and brought Jesus before Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this man perverting our nation, forbidding us to pay taxes to the emperor, and saying that he himself is the Messiah, a king. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered, You say so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no basis for an accusation against this man. But they were insistent and said, He stirs up the people by teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee, where he began even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him off to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. <coughs> when Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad. For he had been waiting to see him for a long time, because he had heard about him and was hoping to see him perform some sign. He questioned him at some length, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. Even Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then he put an elegant robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. That same day, Herod and Pilate became friends with each other. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate then called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was perverting the people. And here I have examined him in your presence, and have not found this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. Indeed, he has done nothing to deserve death. I will therefore have him flogged and release him. Then they all shouted out together, Away with this fellow. Release Barabbas for us. This was a man who had been put in prison for an insurrection that had taken place in the city and for murder. Pilate wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again. But they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no ground for the sentence of death. I will therefore have him flogged and then release him. But they kept urgently demanding with loud shouts that he should be crucified and their voices prevailed. So Pilate gave his verdict that their demand should be granted. He released the man they asked for, the one who had been put in prison for insurrection and murder. 
and he handed Jesus over as they wished. As they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country, and they laid the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A great number of the people followed him, and among them were women who were beating their breasts and wailing for him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are surely coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do this when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with them. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing, and the people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. While the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly this man was innocent. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for this spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home, beating their breasts. But all his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Good morning. Let us pray. 
Holy God, we confess to you that we are tempted every day by works righteousness, by might makes right thinking. Help us, Lord, to see your cross as a true revelation of power and love. Help us to have faith in you and to repent from our sins and to accept your grace. Amen. So a bunch of us this past week saw a movie called The Case for Heaven. It was a Christian movie, and I think a lot of us enjoyed it and had this same comment I heard from a lot of people. wasn't really what I expected. I would say one of the purposes that is good from the movie is it generated a lot of good conversation. One such question came up when we were discussing it, and the question is this. If we're saved by grace then who can we expect to see in heaven? Can we expect to see people who have done bad things? Someone even said, will I see Charles Manson in heaven? Someone else said, will I see Adolf Hitler in heaven? So if we ask ourselves those questions, we are also asking the question of theodicy. How can a good, loving, powerful God permit evil to happen? This really gets to the heart of what today is all about, Passion Sunday, Passion of the Christ. What if God doesn't willfully allow bad things to happen? What if God's power is different than we have conceived. That is what the passion of Christ indicates for us today. The crucifixion of Jesus, we see, is an image of God that has more to do with vulnerability and power with rather than coercive strength and power over. The power over would be what Pontius Pilate had and King Herod. Jesus, the suffering servant, had a very different kind of power. Martin Luther, 500 years ago, talked about the difference between the theology of the cross and the theology of glory. The theology of glory is works righteousness. It's looking for God's power in the trappings of physical strength and power and might on earth. We're all tempted to see and think that that is what God is about. But when we do so, we are mistaken. Luther said that God's power was revealed by the suffering of Jesus on the cross. If we see the suffering of Jesus on the cross as the lens through which we interpret all reality. We have a very different view of that reality. So thinking again about the, the problem of evil in this world. Imagine a situation, a hypothetical situation where a bad person, a person who's acting badly is hurting somebody else, causing someone else to suffer. So we ask ourselves, where is God in that situation? 
because of today, because of the passion of Jesus, we see that God is always on the side and with the person who is suffering. If and when you suffer physically, mentally, spiritually, you are close to Jesus on the cross. He has not forsaken you when you suffer, but rather he is with you in a very powerful way. There's a story about Mother Teresa who was with someone who was suffering terribly, and Mother Teresa whispered in her ear, she said, you are suffering so badly, Jesus is with you so close that he could kiss you right now on the mouth. To which the woman said, tell Jesus to stop kissing me. So then, how are we to think of the people who hurt others? Well, there's a few things that we should mention. The first thing is that nobody can ever separate you from the love of God. Though people can hurt and can insult, no one can ever take you away from the presence of God. Nobody has that power. The second thing we could say is that the person who hurts others does this not because of God's grace, but because a lack of God's grace. People turn to violence and to hurt and abuse because they don't understand that God is already with them. They don't know God's immeasurable love given to them freely through the cross of Jesus. We know that most people that do heinous acts come from abusive families. We know that people that do the most terrible things deep down are so broken and insecure that they don't know the love of God through Christ. And so what we are called to do is to teach forgiveness, to teach love and to teach faith. We think about Jesus on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And we think about Simon of Cyrene who was forced to carry Jesus' cross. He didn't choose it, it was put on him. And yet when it happened, he out of everyone in the crowd was closest to our Lord Jesus. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to have faith. And what does faith look like? Faith is believing that God is counting on you to do the right thing. Faith is accepting the fact that you and I are not capable of saving ourselves, but we need help. Faith is peaceful. It's not afraid to confront evil, but faith needs 
sees no need for conflict. Faith jokes in the face of anxiety, fear, and worry. Faith is sort of like an anti-work. Think about surfers. Surfers have to work really hard to catch the wave, but they depend on the power of the wave to surf. Faith is kind of like mountain climbing. It's hard work to climb a mountain, but you couldn't do it if God didn't make the mountain in the first place. Faith is like this. Once upon a time, I wasn't married. Um, I have known Sherry for a very long time, but we weren't always married, obviously. So once upon a time, before we had kids, before we were married, before we were even dating, we were just friends. And we were good friends that would spend time together and enjoy each other's company. Some of us were a little thick-headed. Me. But eventually, you know, feelings start to grow. You start to have feelings. And I started to have feelings for Sherry. And about that same time, Sherry was living in a nice little beach cottage with some friends of hers. All young adult women living in a beach cottage in Hermosa Beach. So about this time when I started having feelings, there was a social event happening. And in addition to um, the friends of Sherry that were there, there were a bunch of the neighborhood men who showed up. And they had showed up to, you know, socialize and to talk. And I distinctively remember feeling within me a sense that this is not okay. I had to take it upon myself to let them know, especially there was a couple of them that said some things that were not very polite, that they could go ahead and exit the house, that they weren't needed here. Well, most of them listened, except for one guy. He was a bit of a big boy, um, maybe two or three times as, as broad as I was. And he wasn't just alone, but he had with himself a German shepherd that was expertly trained. And I remember him looking at me and saying, I think I'll stay right here. Are you her boyfriend? And I wasn't at the time. And I said, well, I'm not yet, but I'm going to be. And you can leave. And he said, well, how about this? Why don't we take it outside and we see who wins and then that's the person that she can date. And I said, I'm going to have to think about that. (laughs) You know, I I was the skinny little youth director who had driven up from San Clemente, okay, south part of Orange County. It's, It's kind of a mellow vibe down there, but I found myself all of a sudden in Hermosa Beach. You know, I was sort of like this skinny little itinerant preacher standing before Pontius Pilate. And he was there. He had the might. He had the brawn. He had the dog. He had his army around him. And he said, hey, guys, come on. Let's take this guy. And he looked around, and all of his friends had left. And it was just him and me. And I turned to look for Sherry and to say, Sherry, who do you pick? And Sherry was nowhere to be found. Where did she go? And so it was a battle of wills. We just sat there, staring, staring back, 
time going, ticking by, and eventually he left. He left. And eventually more people came that were friends with me, and eventually I was able to relax a little bit and breathe. And eventually Sherry showed up too. And I remember saying, Sherry, how come you didn't say anything? Where did you go? You know, I needed you. It was my time of need. And she said, well, when are you going to make a commitment? Are we just friends or is this something more? And it was at that point I said, I love you and I want to be with you. And after I said that, the big boy never came around ever again. Faith isn't about being the biggest or the strongest or even the smartest. Faith is about knowing what you love in this life. What is most important to you? We are so incredibly important to God, even despite our failings. Our God, Jesus Christ, was willing to die for us on the cross. Even though he may not have been the strongest physically, he didn't have an army behind him, he knew what he loved and he knew what he had passion for. And we as Jesus' disciples are called to accept this unconditional love from our Lord and Savior and then to put it into practice, into a faith that shows what it is committed to and willing to stand up for each and every day. May God give you this faith. And may God give me, th may God give me this faith as well. Amen. We sing our hymn of the day, Forgive Your People.